I've been covering the ongoing chaos surrounding mail-in voting for a little while now. We've seen some jurisdictions like Patterson, New Jersey, where 20% of the vote was disqualified. Four people ended up getting indicted and an NAACP leader said cancel the whole election. We've seen in California nearly 100,000 ballots disqualified. And now we're seeing Democratic politicians desperately try to enact certain new legislation to make it so that we can actually functionally have mail-in voting. And you have to wonder, why are they so desperate to have mail-in voting? Right now, Nancy Pelosi says the House has to return to vote on USPS funding in order to protect Social Security checks. However, in their COVID response bill, the Emergency Relief Fund, they wanted funding for the post office. They wanted guaranteed mail-in voting. They are absolutely adamant about making sure we have mail-in voting. Now, of course, many people on the left will argue it's because of COVID, obviously, but that's not true. It is time to definitively debunk the conspiracy theory nonsense and the lies from the left and the Democrats about what's going on with mail-in voting. Anthony Fauci himself says we can have in-person voting. There's no problem. So why such an aggressive push? It's all part of the conspiracy theory. You see, the media allows the left to engage in unhinged conspiracies. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, they allow the left to engage in unhinged conspiracies. But if anyone on the right so, so much as gets even close to a conspiracy, boom, you're gone. They ban you. The media won't allow anyone to even entertain the possibility of a conspiracy on the right. On the left, it's all we get. Article after article talking about post boxes and mailboxes being disappeared and stolen. The Democrats are now calling for an FBI investigation into the post, into the post office, the postmaster general. It is absolutely unhinged and unfounded conspiracy because they are desperate to create a reason why Donald Trump should not have won. And these are the kind of things that make me think Donald Trump is going to win. Why would they be so desperate to create some conspiracy theory like they did last time with Russia? Now they're going to be saying, you see, Trump shut down the post office. No, he didn't. But well, he was stealing mailboxes. No, he wasn't. Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, the actress claiming that Trump supporters, you know, may be stealing postal trucks. That's how unhinged they're getting with this. It's absolutely crazy. But there's actual evidence to suggest Trump may be on track to win. New polling has come. New polling has come out showing Trump is closing the gap with Joe Biden. He's doing better than ever. And when you think about maybe the anecdotal evidence, which perhaps isn't as good, I don't know. I got to say, everyone I talk to, I don't I, I know very few people who are telling me they're die hard for Joe Biden. I know I know some people. I have some you know older friends and even some family members who are very adamant about voting for Joe Biden. But it is the absolute minority. I wonder how many people are really going to be that secret Trump voter. And I think it's going to be massive. And when Trump wins, they will need an excuse like they've done in almost every election since 1968, claiming it was rigged. They're going to say Donald Trump stole this election. And this is the game they're playing. Let's get started and read through this. I am going to definitively debunk this in the next minute. Just just hear me out. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box. But the best thing you can do, subscribe to this channel. About half the people who watch my videos aren't actually subscribed. And that means YouTube's less likely to show you that my videos are live and available. Just below the video player is a little red button that says subscribe. Give it a little click. And now you are much more likely to receive my videos. But if you really want to make sure you get them, hit the like button. 
hit the notification bell. And if you really want to support the channel, share this video because that that absolutely helps. Let's read the story from The Blaze first. They say, as part of her push to get House members on board with her plan to force members to return from recess to vote on a funding package for the United States Postal Service, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi sent a letter on Sunday to her colleagues in the House explaining the reason they are being recalled. In that letter, Pelosi argued that it is vital for Congress to immediately pass her funding request because Americans rely on the Postal Service to deliver, among other things, Social Security benefits and tax returns. There's just one problem. The government hasn't been sending those items via mail for over a decade. In fact, the government announced in June 2010 that all Social Security checks would be sent via direct deposit and that people who were scheduled to receive these checks but did not have a bank account would be issued a Treasury Department Direct Express Debit MasterCard onto which funds would be loaded electronically. So why is Nancy Pelosi lying? It's desperation. Now, I do believe that mail-in voting is meant to rig this in favor of the Democrats. And I'm going to give you some pretty compelling evidence. But I also believe it's about claiming Trump should not have been able to win because he cheated. It's, 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 a, it's a twofold strategy. The issue of funding for the USPS has unexpectedly become a hot button political issue after Democrats accused Republicans of sabotaging the Postal Service in order to prevent increased voting by mail. Democrats have even accused current Postmaster General Louis DeJoy of sabotaging the mail system, claiming without proof that DeJoy ordered the removal of numerous mail collection boxes in order to prevent people from sending out mail-in ballots. In response, a USPS spokesperson pointed out that collection boxes have been dwindling for years per a long-standing policy that calls for their removal when usage falls below a certain level. In fact, the Washington Post noted in 2009 that approximately half of all collection boxes in the U.S. had been removed in the preceding 20 years, a natural consequence to the shift away from paper mail and toward toward electronic mail as well. And I believe we have a tweet here that shows just this. Gerald Byer says in 2009, they noted this. But here's what we get. First, I am going to absolutely debunk this, like I said, and then we'll move on to debunking the the other mail uh, claims. Anthony Fauci for National Geographic was asked, Deborah Roberts of ABC News says, what about voting? So many people are concerned we're in election year. Some people are going to be heading to the polls in the next few weeks. Can people safely go out and vote in person, given that this year there is so much concern around the vote? Anthony Fauci, the most trusted name in coronavirus, says, I think if carefully done, according to the guidelines, There's no reason that I can see why that not be the case. For example, when you look at going to a grocery store now in many regions and counties and cities that are doing it correctly, they have X's every six or more feet. And it says, don't leave this spot until the person in front of you left their spot. And you can do that if you go and wear a mask. If you observe the physical distancing and don't have a crowded situation, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that. I mean, obviously, if you're a person who is compromised physically or otherwise, you don't want to take the chance. There is a situation of mail-in voting that has been done for years in many places. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to vote in person or otherwise. There it is. Fauci said it. Anthony Fauci said it. So why then do Democrats want money for the post office? Check it out. House Democrats included $25 billion for the USPS in their coronavirus bill in May, along with an additional $3.6 billion in election security funding. The White House and Democratic leaders tentatively agreed to as much as $10 billion for the Postal Service in their negotiations. 
But that was contingent on the rest of the agreement being nailed down, which wasn't anywhere near happening. Why are they trying to dump money into the post office if the post office is being hurt because of longstanding failures and because of the economic shutdown? It's not necessarily the fault of the federal government if they don't decide to fund it right now. We may just need to widen things down. I think as I've shown you, they're desperate to get mail-in voting. And this is how desperate they are. Democrats urge FBI to open criminal inquiry into Postmaster General. Duo alleged DeJoy has slowed delivery to affect mail-in votes. Pelosi recalls House early in effort to protect post office. They're, they're urging, they're calling what it was, an FBI criminal inquiry into the Postmaster General. What? Now, this is getting unhinged. I'll tell you what. Look at this. The Wall Street Journal says the post office's problem isn't Trump. Democrats cry sabotage, but mail volume is way down. And the USPS is losing billions of dollars. It's just this is normal. It's completely normal. In fact, every bit of their conspiracy is completely normal. This, to me, is a scam of epic proportions on par with Russiagate all over again, blaming Trump for their made up problems. I'd like to show you this tweet from David Clinch. David Clinch is a journalist and he works at Storyful. Storyful does social media news gathering for various newsrooms. He tweeted, please stop following and sharing content from this account that consistently posts viral content stolen from others and misleading information on important issues like this. Twitter should take a serious look at accounts like this. Verification. Rex Chapman tweeted, Burbank, California. If your entire life you have ever seen a in your entire life, have you ever seen a locked mailbox at USPS? Now you have a disgrace and immediate threat to American democracy. Shame on them. Shame on the GOP. Where are you, Senate Majority Leader? And he shows this image of mailboxes and they have red device, some like blocks put on them, locked to them. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. It looks like the mailboxes are locked. Not true. These mailboxes are placed in front of the post office. The post office has a mailbox on it. You can go into it when they're open and drop your mail off. You can literally hand it to a human being. The best part about this, I'll get to in, to in a second. But the reason for this is to prevent vandalism, to encourage people to bring the mail inside when they're open, and to limit theft. And here's the story from Eyewitness ABC7. Social media posts of locked mailboxes in Burbank go viral. Take a look at this. They say, <laughs> look at this. We noticed the mailboxes can still be accessed from the other side. And there is the lie. This image going viral shows you a mailbox that has two sides. On one, it has an open slit you can put mail in. You can drive up in your car and drop your mail off in the mailbox. They put these on it to prevent vandalism, they say. And on the other side of the mailbox is the normal hatch that you open up like a normal mailbox. They're lying. This website, the new civil rights movement, for instance, verified by NewsGuard as being green check marks across the board, puts out overt conspiracy theory lies from the left. Because even though I use a service like NewsGuard, they still certify unhinged, far left conspiracy theories that are unfounded. Photos, Trump's postmaster general removing mailboxes in at least five states weeks before early voting. Explanation fails. This is fake news. NewsGuard, what are you doing? That's how the name of the game. That's how the bias works. That's how the game works. The left can say any unhinged, nonsensical conspiracy. 
and you just have to accept it. Take a look at all of these posts. Please share this picture far and wide. Trump is trying to steal the election. They're, they're stealing mailboxes. Here's a truck stealing mailboxes. No, this is a scam. This just induced a hot flash and headache. Mailboxes being removed in Portland, but to Rump's direction, at his direction, notices have started appearing that mailboxes are being removed. Oh, no. Oh, what's happening? Well, like I showed you before, Gerald Byer says in 2009, the Washington Post covered the story. They remove mailboxes when nobody uses them. In, is using them. In fact, take a look at this, this uh, a PDF, the Office of the Inspector General for the U.S. Postal Service. They say that as, you know, uh, mailboxes are, are underused, they start removing them. As the post office adapts its collection infrastructure to meet customers' needs, it has eliminated underused collection boxes that on average receive fewer than 25 pieces a day and added collection boxes that are convenient for customers. They're not removing them. In some instances, they're replacing them. And in other instances, they're relocating them to higher trafficked areas to help you with your mail. Take a look at this. The Office of Inspector General actually found they should have been removing more in 2015. They say, uh, uh, it's right here, the Eastern Area's collection box removal process was not effective. While the area and its 10 districts had established procedures for removing and relocating collection boxes, they were not consistently, consistently followed. Our analysis indicated an additional 1,808 collection boxes could have been removed and another 637 relocated. In fact, they should be removing more. Now I'm going to show you the real name of the game here. I'm just going to come out and say it, man. We've got some dirty tricks afoot. I believe I've thoroughly debunked for one. Fauci said we don't need mail-in voting, so drop it. If anyone ever brings this up to you about mail-in voting, say, oh no, Fauci said you're good. For everybody else, guess what? You can simply request an absentee ballot. The difference between the two, absentee you request, you're verified. Mail-in, universal, means they go up randomly. We don't want random, widespread, universal ballots flying around that can't be tracked. Absentee ballots are tracked. Here we go. Major U.S. Postal Workers Union endorses Biden for president. Done. August 14th. I am done. That's it. I personally will not allow the post office, whose union has already endorsed a candidate, to be handling my vote. I want to I I ask you a question. Let's say you hate Donald Trump and you want to vote for Joe Biden. And a guy walks up to you wearing a MAGA hat and says, don't worry, give me your ballot. I'll make sure it gets where it needs to go on time. You'd say, no way. Imagine if you were going to mail it in and said, I'm going to do it FedEx direct. And the FedEx guy walked up with a MAGA hat on. You'd be like, no way am I giving you my ballot because you're a Trump, you're, you're, you're a Trump supporter. The same is true in the inverse. There is no way I'm giving my ballot to a Biden supporter that I don't care who you're voting for. Why the Post Workers Union has endorsed Joe Biden? Well, that's it. I don't want them going anywhere near the election. That to me is the biggest problem we face here. So the Democrats are right now advocating for cash to give to the union who is supporting their party and will handle our votes. Nice try. Nice try. I'm not playing that game. In CN, uh, uh, CNN reported in 2017, the USPS improperly enabled workers who helped the Clinton campaign. Mm, it goes beyond just the union endorsement. We actually have that problem. You see, what they found is that they, uh, the, the, I'll read it to you. The investigation has documented in a report from the Office of Special Counsel said the U.S. Postal Service granted employees union leave time off at the request of the union to do political activity, 
which OSC concluded was a systematic violation of a law regarding the political activity of federal employees. And there you go, man. You got federal employees and they're actively giving, I don't know, I'll be careful in my wording. They support Biden. They've endorsed Biden and they're giving special access and privileges to people to do political activity on behalf of the Clinton campaign. Sorry, I'm not going to give them my vote. And I believe we should resist at all costs any of these people touching our ballots. Could you imagine? You, you have a fleet of these people in the union. Could you imagine if like the Make America Great, uh, Make, America, Make America Great Again campaign were the ones that were tasked with going around collecting votes? Well, that'd be absurd. Why? They've, they've endorsed Joe Biden. What about the police union? Let's say the police union said, don't worry, we're cops. We're going to take care of the ballots. It's more secure that way. You're like, no way. The SBA in New York just endorsed Trump. We shouldn't allow this bias. It is election insecurity to an absurd degree. So I, I can't tell you why they're actually trying to push this other than I think Trump is winning. I really do. And I think they're trying to undermine confidence in the election. From Cassie Hunt, voters losing confidence. 45% of Americans say they are not confident the result of the election will be counted correctly. 45% say they are confident, a 14 point drop. And it has to do with everything we're seeing. Here's the problem with mail-in ballots. They might not be counted. And that's especially true for younger minority and first-time voters. That's the name of the game. We can go back in time. There's an article from 2009, August 2009. USPS goes postal on Obama after post office crack. Obama said, US, UPS and FedEx are doing just fine. It's the post office that is always having problems. Ah, true hypocrisy. Obama can say it. They, they don't, they, they, you know, they get angry about it back then. Now, however, the Republicans say it. Look, I understand the Republicans play silly games. In a few years, the Republicans will be saying the same thing. Democrats will be saying, I don't like either party. Trump is actually very, very different. And there are a handful of politicians I find to be very different. But for the most part, I think they're all trash. The more important issue here is Democrats are trying to play a dirty game to give people who support them access to our ballots, or at the very least claim it's a conspiracy. Donald Trump cheated the election because Trump is narrowing the gap. Trump narrows gap in the polls, but Biden still holds commanding leads. Ah, and there it is, isn't it? Trump is starting to close the gap in multiple polls. Here's one from CNN just the other day. Biden's lead over Trump narrows in new national poll. Well, Forbes mentions the real clear politics average has Biden from a 10 point lead down to a seven point lead. And now CNN has said that it's just four points. Biden at 50, Trump at 46. My friends, that is margin of error territory. Do the polls matter? Maybe not. Maybe they're all bunk. Maybe they're all wrong. But I tell you this, man, four point gap, margin of error territory. And when you consider that Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, and this is a national poll, Trump's on track to win the Electoral College, same as he did last time. And there it is. They will claim, not Russia this time, but that Trump used the post office, crippled them, kneecapped them. Therefore, he cheated to win because there's no way he could have won, right? Well, they're wrong. There absolutely is a way he could have won because he's actually talking about issues people care about. I mean, for me right now, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I am a one issue voter at this point. The riots must stop. They must stop. And that's why I'm not going to be supporting Democrats probably going to vote for Trump because he's the only one talking about doing anything or the only one who's actually tried to do things. Now, over on uh, uh, Matthew Iglesias' Twitter, 
one of the founders of Vox, he actually points out something very interesting. He says, brutal but important reality check from Dylan Matt. Based on interviews with top advisors, Biden appears to be committed to a form of procedural procedural moderation and bipartisan deal making that could wreck his presidency from day one. Even Vox, Matthew Iglesias recognizes Biden could actually lose this. Here's why. Gallup noted this last year, the shift in the Democrats ideology. They say up to 2018, 46% of the Democratic Party identified as as liberal and only 35 moderate, 17% as conservative. I would be surprised if any of them are conservative at this point, which means Biden needs to play to the far left, but the far left is small. I wonder if what we're really seeing here is not that Democrats are becoming far left, but that people are walking away. You may have seen the walk away movement. A lot of people saying no more to the Democratic Party and they're leaving. There have been high profile announcements and parties, party switching going on for quite some time. I mean, Jeff Van Drew elected as a Democrat, switched to the Republican Party in South Jersey. Maybe what we're really seeing is that as moderates and conservatives quit the party, all that's left is the far left. It could be wishful thinking. In reality, it could just be that the Democrats are becoming further and further left. They're more far left they've ever been. And that this is a shift in the party. Maybe. I don't think we're seeing a, a dramatic decline in the amount of Democrat, you know, uh, affiliated Democrats, people who are registered with the party. But we did see reporting from Axios not too long ago that said Republicans are making major gains in signing up voters, but not new voters, people who are switching from Democrat to Republican. They're stealing away these voters. To me, that's abs- absolutely fascinating. Because that, that, what that means is this is a strategy progressives have been talking about. They want to light up new voters who don't vote because they're progressive or far left and feel disenfranchised. But by doing so, they are sacrificing the center. And Donald Trump is picking them up. But let's be real. While we can talk all about these weird goings on, the post office and all this other nonsense and whether or not Trump's going to win, I want to show you the effectiveness of fake news. Take a look at this poll. Government response to COVID. How satisfied are you with the U.S. government's current response to the outbreak? 50% are not satisfied at all. 11% are not very satisfied. And then we have 24 mostly satisfied and 12 completely satisfied, 2% unsure. You see, when it comes to the U.S. government, people blame the federal. They blame Trump. They blame the federal government. They blame Trump for what's going on with COVID, even though he didn't make it happen. And because of the Constitution, there's not much Trump can actually do. What's he supposed to do? He's supposed to override all of these governors, tell them what they have to do, what they can and can't do. Well, it doesn't matter what he can or can't do and what he's supposed to do. What matters is people are mad at Trump over COVID. That's a fact. And I'll show you. How satisfied are you with your state and local government's current response to the COVID outbreak? 41% mostly satisfied, 10% completely satisfied. While we have 48% that are on the not very satisfied, uh, uh, not satisfied at all or not very satisfied, we have 51 that are mostly or completely satisfied. Local governments, but they're the ones responsible for everything. They're the ones who are or aren't doing the job, not Trump. Trump's constrained under the Constitution from, from stepping over his bounds and forcing the states to do anything. Keep that in mind. While the polls may be shrinking, Trump is entering margin of error territory with CNN. It's all good news for Trump. His approval rating is floating around 43% in aggregate, which is his average for the presidency. 
I think we may be looking at a Trump victory, maybe not a Trump landslide, though. I'm sorry. I certainly feel that way personally because of the chaos. I think reality says Trump's probably going to win. They're going to claim one. This is what they're doing with mail-in voting to wrap everything up. They're either going to get their people, post office union who supported them to be the ones handling our ballots. I don't trust that. It's going to very much favor them at a time when Fauci said they don't need to. Or if they lose, they'll just claim that Donald Trump cheated to win and it's illegitimate. And then we will get all of the stupid investigations all over again. They need something. But you know what? Here's what I want you to do. From now on, if anyone ever says we must have mail-in voting, just show them that Fauci quote and say, why? Fauci said no. Fauci said no. We're done. Are we done here? All right, I'm done. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I think this may be the worst it's ever been in Portland. On night 81 of the protests, and I'm not talking about videos of mass riots and tear gas. I'm talking about what happens when the police don't get involved. And you've probably seen the title of this. I have this post here from the Portland police. Protest complicates police response to assault calls. But this story is haunting. A man in his truck. There's a woman who's with him. A group of far leftists begin smacking her and beating her. He gets out of his vehicle, tries to stop them. That's one video. In another video, we can see that a group of far leftists, Black Lives Matter, whatever you want to call them, begin harassing and assaulting a trans woman, a white trans woman. They steal her backpack and brutally beat her. This, this trans woman then begs for her stuff back, I believe medication and phone and all that stuff. This man in the truck is seen in a video trying to protect this individual from the angry crowd. The next video we see, his truck is crashed. He's lying on the ground or he's sitting on the ground and they're ruthlessly beating him. And the next video we see, he's laying on the ground covered in blood out of it. And people just mock him. Some say don't rob his truck. Some say that's what he gets. The police said they were chasing after his truck. He swerved and crashed. They dragged him out of the vehicle apparently after this and then brutally beat him. Some would suggest they were trying to straight up kill him. Others did stop it from going too far, but he was transported to a hospital with very serious injuries. And this is the worrying escalation of defund the police. Now we can talk about riots. We can talk about, you know, people marching through the streets, smashing up windows. But what happens? What happens when after this? You know, seriously, you can't expect every single night to be just large groups romping around randomly, rioting and looting. Eventually, the police get demoralized. The police give up. Yesterday, there was an article that came out from the Daily Mail of an officer who pulled up to a bunch of protesters and says, you've won. I'm quitting. They've defunded many police departments. One analysis that was reported on by Fox News shows about 129 departments across the country have been partially defunded. Some have been completely disbanded. In Portland, the state police recently announced a full retreat from the city because the district attorney will not prosecute prosecute these extremists. And now we get one of the most brutal and haunting videos I've seen. A man trying to protect a trans woman being brutally being brutally beaten within an inch of within an inch of his life by a group of Black Lives Matter extremists. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, I don't think they care about identity. Some people might say, I, I just know we're going to hear from the left. They're going to say things like, 
How could it have possibly been Black Lives Matter if, you know, they were attacking a trans woman? Because they don't care about any of those things. They never did. It's a lie. They claim that they're supporting marginalized communities. They're not. They're attacking them. Just look at any one of the videos from Portland where they're screaming racial slurs at everybody. So I'm not surprised by this. I have the story here from the District Herald, also from Fox News. Portland protest turns violent. Brutal assault caught on video. I'm going to read you this and I'm going to show you some tweets. There's no graphic images. I've removed them. You can find those tweets and images at districtherald.com and you'll find the story. But I first want to read for you what the police said. At 1027 p.m., Central Precinct officers responded to a report of an injury accident at Southwest Broadway and Southwest Taylor Street. The report said protesters were chasing the truck before it crashed and they assaulted the driver after the crash. Officers respond. Officers encountered a hostile crowd and a squad from the rapid response team responded to help secure the scene while the investigation was underway. The driver was transported to the hospital by ambulance with serious injuries. The incident is under investigation and no arrests have been made. By about 1 a.m., the majority of the crowd had left the area. No arrests were made and no CS gas was deployed. No, you can see it in these videos. These lunatics are essentially given carte blanche. The cops are gone. And this is what happens next. Roving bands of extremists beating random people. And I'm not exaggerating. There are videos. There's a video. Andy No tweeted about it. Many others have shared this video where it's a woman being hit, smacked, beaten. And she's saying, I didn't do anything. I was just walking. I was just walking. Doesn't matter. These people don't care about any of this. In Seattle, you actually had Black Lives Matter organizers, NAACP organizers saying, what are these people even protesting for at this point? Well, I'll tell you what. They've repeatedly said by any means necessary. So perhaps you should get active and denounce everything we're seeing. But yes, let me show you. Andy No tweeted, watch this to the end to see the type of hate preaching by BLM that is used to radicalize people to violence. This was recorded by at Lives Matter show a few hours before some BLM protesters went around downtown Portland beating and robbing numerous people. And I said, they keep saying by any means necessary. And y'all thought they were kidding. In the video, the woman says it over and over again. She says, I'm not joking by any means necessary. So what do we get? Portland rioters attempt to murder man who intervened in their robbery and assault of white trans person from the District Herald. I've had to remove some of the graphic images because they're bad. Man lying bloodied in the street, barely moving, twitching, trying to lift his head, like just not not there. Some kind of brain injury, obviously. That's what happens when someone gets knocked out, especially for this long. Drew Hernandez says, breaking, after causing a white man to crash his truck in downtown Portland, BLM militants then beat the man and knock him unconscious. Now, take a look at this. There is a video of what happened in this in this tweet. You can see the man in blue is telling people like basically back away. He's on his knees standing in front of a trans woman. It seems like he's trying to, you know, defend this woman, defend this individual, pushing people back. The video of the trans woman shows them getting physical constantly stealing things from her, taking, you know, her her longboard or backpack, all of these things. The tweet says before the victim is shown trying before the victim is shown trying to calm down a group of men who stole a transgender woman's bag and skateboard because they didn't like the way she was talking to black men. 
This man tried to intervene. They brutally beat him. Leading up to the vicious attempted murder, the Black Lives Matter activists were chasing a man away from their protests and assaulting him. A person who appears to be a trans woman holding a skateboard attempted to intervene and get them to leave the man alone. The rioters decided they didn't like the trans woman speaking out against their violence, so they stole her skateboard and backpack before violently attacking her as well. The trans woman was left sobbing on the sidewalk, threatening to commit suicide following the mob attack, stealing the trans woman's backpack. I mean, all, all, all of their personal belongings. Drew Hernandez says, here are some of the events that led up to BLM causing a man to crash into a tree tonight in Portland. BLM began, began to aggressively escort a man from the BLM protest and assaulted him. A witness defended him verbally. Then BLM thugs began to threaten, rob and physically assault her. The violent mob also attacked another woman who attempted to intervene in their violent attack on the man and several random people who were just walking down the street. The people who were targeted by the mob all appear to be white. Drew Hernandez goes on to mention this as well. That's at Lives Matter Show. That's his, uh, live Lives Matters. Yes, live Lives Matter Show. That's his Twitter handle. The rioter who ran up and punched the man after he had already been brutally beaten to the point of nearly losing consciousness has been identified by 4chan users as Marquise Love, whose Facebook profile lists him as a ramp agent at Portland International Airport. He works as a DJ in, in the evenings. And there's another tweet. The man is completely unconscious. Get your BA up. They were yelling at him. Some of the most brutal and uh, chilling scenes I have seen yet in Portland. This is where it starts, you know, I don't know, man, they, they tried to kill this person and there are no police. Police didn't come out. They made no arrests. State police have retreated. Feds are inside the courthouse, not intervening. And I'm, I'm, I've been telling, I've been saying, man, I know people don't, maybe don't want to hear it, that it's going to get worse because where do you go from here? Well, I'll tell you, I see two very probable paths forward. If the police do nothing, then these people are emboldened and they will continue to violently assault, beat, try to murder. It was the, the mayor of Portland already said the, the, the rioters have tried to murder because they barricaded the, 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 the exits to a police building and then tried setting it on fire. Now they literally beat a man within an inch of his life, transported to the hospital with serious injuries. If the police do nothing, this is what you get. It will, it will, it will just keep growing from here. However, my fear is if the police do intervene, what will end up happening is it will embolden a bunch of other individuals in Portland who don't pay attention and don't know and just hear rumors about police beating innocent, peaceful protesters. This will rile up the crowds. They'll come out and they'll get aggressive. Now, normally I would say the police need to come out and just do their job, even if it may spark more protests that may happen. The problem is the district attorney said they will not prosecute even if the individual assaults an officer. So what can the cops do? They make arrests. These people get released. And now you get this. Insane. Absolutely, absolutely nightmarish. Portland marks 81st night of protest Sunday as mother of man shot by police speaks outside Justice Center. You'd think at some point they would say violent riots. They don't. They won't. They'll just keep saying it's a protest. That's, a, that's the game they will just keep playing. Oregon Live, however, did publish this video to YouTube. Portland police sergeant says protest violence directed at him is lowest point in 18 years. 
They say Portland's mayor and police chief spent much of Thursday and Friday decrying nightly demonstrations. Demonstrations. Think about that. They just brutally beat several people, random people, nearly killed a man. And they are still saying demonstrations because the the media there is protecting them. If the media grew a spine and told the people of Portland the truth, maybe the people there might actually say, we need our cops enough of this. But you know what the sad reality is? It's probably that these far left extremists have infiltrated these news organizations and they're lying on purpose to protect their friends and their ideological allies. They say they were decrying nightly demonstrations, riots that have turned destructive, a surge in shootings and homicides and other public safety concerns that have gripped the city in recent weeks. In a rare occurrence, cops on the front lines have been permitted to speak out about them. Several rank and file officers this week provided firsthand accounts of their work amid heated protests, increasing gun violence, calls for reforms and budget cuts. Sergeant Brent Maxey said the vitriol and acts of violence directed him during a pair of demonstrations marked some of the lowest points in his 18 years with the Bureau. Normally, cops aren't allowed to speak up. They have public information officers for a reason. So when it comes to rank and file, when it comes to individuals like this, they normally would just not comment. They've started speaking up. Maybe that's something they should have done for a long time. So people realize and better understand these police departments. So this one's on these these public information uh, officers or laws or restrictions, because I've seen all too all too often cops will be doing something and they won't talk and people don't know what's going on or why. And they assume the worst. Maybe the assumption is they're better off saying nothing because they want a cohesive strategy. But we're in the era of social media meaning people are going to see a cop doing something, they're going to lie. Think about it this way. If you see a large group of people and they're fighting with cops and the cops won't say anything when people on the camera are yelling, people just assume the cops are the bad guys. The protesters are yelling things like, help, help, we're being repressed. And the cops say nothing. Imagine what would happen if the cops did speak and these protesters were yelling, help, help, we're being repressed. And then a cop said, they've just brutally beat a man within an inch of his life and we're trying to rescue him. We need to get these people out of the way. There's a man dying in front of us. What do you think would happen if that video came out? People might actually go, oh, these far leftists are insane. So maybe it's about time cops start speaking up and saying they just threw a brick at my face. They just hit a cop in the head. He's got a concussion. There's a man bleeding on the ground. What what should we do? We've got to stop this. It doesn't matter in the end, though. You know why? Because the district attorney said they will not prosecute, even if they assault an officer within reason. I don't want to make, I don't want to make it seem like they're literally never going to. His exact you know, phrasing, well, I'll, I'll, a paraphrase for him was that they will scrutinize charges and, you know, on, uh, acknowledging the chaos of a protest environment. Protest environments aren't supposed to be chaotic. It's people marching through the streets with signs. And the cops walk alongside them. We've seen this over and over again. Sometimes they'll engage in civil disobedience, which is disruptive. And I respect they'll get arrested for it. And the cop will walk over and they'll put him in cuffs and they'll calmly walk to the vehicle and they'll get their press attention. There'll be big news and it benefits their cause. We've seen it over and over and over again. Think about like the the March for Our Lives or the Women's March. These big mass assemblies made made headlines. Then people heard about the idea and they entertained it. But these violent riots? No, man, this is just getting crazy. Take a look at this. Late night, North Portland drivers take over an industrial park. 
I actually saw this tweet from a local Portland journalist saying that across the city, people are just doing donuts. They're peeling out. The city is becoming the Wild West once again. Well, I don't know if, if Oregon was ever necessarily the Wild West. I guess you can call it, the, you know, it's, it's rainy. So it's not how we imagine the Wild West, but kind of. That's why the Portland mayor is also the police commissioner, apparently, because it's a remnant of the old, you know, ways of the Wild West. Well, of course, we had violent riots in Seattle once again. Several officers have been injured and arrests made on Fourth Avenue. This has been declared a riot. Officers taking projectiles and fireworks, please stay out of the area. We will update with additional information when available. It's, it just keeps happening. Now, listen, you know, some people have criticized me because they don't like the fact that uh, um, I maybe am overly pessimistic in the sense that I'm like, things are going to get worse, right? Was I wrong? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I made a prediction like hard lottery numbers. I said, I said this the other day. It's not like I'm saying, you know, 12, 59, 32, 7. I'm literally saying, hey, if this happens, then we might see this next. And I think it's very likely. And we did. Earlier this year, I said, I think, you know, there will be riots. People are going to lose their minds. I didn't, I didn't say for this reason, mind you, but I think this is absolutely a factor. And it was it was said during the peak of the George Floyd riots, a big contributing factor was the fact that people were fed up. They were tired. They were locked up. They were angry. Yeah. And then we saw in Chicago the mass looting last week. And what did they say? Well, one of the Black Lives Matter organizers said that they need to, however they can get food, they need to eat. And there it is the lockdown, the lack of income, the threat of eviction. They're going around and looting because they want money. They they want money. That's what they were doing. In Portland, they're just crazy and angry and there's no one there to stop them. The reason I bring this up, like, you know, I, I typically do because I bring you now to a continuation of that ongoing escalation. Protesters arrest leads to crowd forming at Pittsburgh mayor's home. Come on, man. I said, how long ago? How long until they come to the neighborhoods and come to your house? And people still said, oh, please, Tim, what do you know? And then they literally started going to people's homes. They went to Cassandra Fairbanks home. They fired fireworks at it, reportedly gunshots were, uh, as well. They've also gone to Tucker Carlson's home in the past. But this is about we're talking about the escalation, right? So we've seen it. I didn't just randomly say, what if they go to your house? No, I'm like, they went to Tucker's house. Why wouldn't, with all this escalation, they start, why, why wouldn't they start going to other people's homes? And they did. And they've attacked local residents on more than one occasion. I'm not kidding. In a residential neighborhood yesterday, a video of a man being shoved to the ground, people getting into fights. So what happens when they have numbers and weapons. Granted, we've seen in Colorado, locals push back. They started going to the homes of politicians. They started going to the homes of uh, the house of, say, the police chief in Seattle, who's now retiring because of all the chaos. And here we go. Pittsburgh mayor Bill Peduto said he has serious concerns over the tactics used in the arrest of a 25 year old protester on Saturday after the detention led a crowd of demonstrators showing up at the mayor's home on Sunday. Matthew Cartier, 25, was arrested on Saturday at a Black Lives Matter protest. A video cited by CBS News showed armed officers putting Cartier into an unmarked van. Police say he interfered with public safety. Local media footage showed a crowd gathering outside Peduto's home on Sunday, carrying signs and slogans such as defund the police. The crowd of about 150 marched to outside the mayor's house after rallying in Mellon Park, according to local media. Police said Cartier was arrested because he stepped in front of cars, tried to direct traffic and blocked an intersection used for hospital for the hospital 
and the University of Pittsburgh. He was charged with failure to disperse. Quote, we did it with the tactics and tools necessary to do it safely for not only the individual being arrested, but for the public at large and for the protesters, their, uh, their, their selves, an official said. The ACLU said on Sunday that officers were in clear violation of their own guidelines. The ACLU of Pennsylvania has never suggested that the snatch and stash arrests of peaceful demonstrators is ever acceptable. I'm just, just no, absolutely not. But I'll tell you what, when they showed up to your house, mayor, there are no cops around. What would stop them from say, I don't know, kicking your door in and then running up to your house and then breaking in and ransacking it? Nothing. Would any of them be caught and arrested? Maybe some of them, but probably not by your police, especially not in places like Seattle where this is going on. Listen, the way we see mob mentality work is that because everyone does one, you know, adds one degree to the chaos, it rapidly accelerates. You take one person who's angry and waving a sign and you put him in front of a house. They won't do anything. They'll stand there yelling. Two people stand there yelling. At a certain point, you have enough people. One person walks up and looks in the front door. Someone else sees him walking up and follows him. And then everyone runs up behind them because now the crowd is doing it. They see him going to the door. So someone else runs to the door. Eventually, someone kicks the door, breaks it open and runs away one degree at a time. And eventually, I would not be surprised if they're actually breaking into people's homes. It could go the other way. Things could start to calm down. But what the reason why I'm leaning towards there being escalation is simply because we keep seeing more, not less. Not every night, something more. In Portland, they almost murdered a guy. So it's more and more and more. Well, I tell you what, I only see one opportunity. I, I mean it. There's one opportunity to make this all end. Trump sends warning to NYC's de Blasio after another bloody weekend. New York, New York City has seen an increase in shootings in 2020. Trump sends another warning. Trump could, could uh, invoke the Insurrection Act. He could deploy police and uh, other federal officers to these streets like they've accused him of doing, which he never did. He could do it. He could put an end to it. I don't think he will, though, because they keep telling him not to do it and they refuse. So the people in these cities get to deal with it. It is not the Fed's necess- jurisdiction necessarily. He could invoke the Insurrection Act and put an end to this overnight. But for now, he's leaving it to the states and the cities. And guess what? The people who live there voted for these Democrats, and now they're getting all of the violence that's 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 reaping, you know, wreaking havoc in these cities. And they're going to need to vote for someone else to stop this. Congratulations, Portland, on your new district attorney who won't prosecute these people. So the police are retreating. I certainly wouldn't want to live there. But I will say there I think this will wake people up and perhaps now they will all go and vote for Republicans and Trump. And it's funny. It's funny because the only thing at this point that matters to me All the other political issues, all the wedge issues are pushed off in the corner because we are facing an existential threat. People destroying cities, burning buildings, attacking and trying to murder people. Okay, then if the only people are going to get it done are the Republicans, that's my issue right now. That's it. The riots make them stop. The Democrats, you won't. Then we need someone else to do it. We'll see how this plays out. I got I got more segments coming up for you in the day later in the day. The next segment will be at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. Donald Trump has slammed mayor of New York City Bill de Blasio as a communist fool who has destroyed New York and doesn't know what he's doing. 
as more residents flee for good and say the city will never be the same again. It's an interesting insult, Donald Trump. And I've actually got to say, well, it may be an insult. It's not necessarily wrong, but I'll tell you what I think is wrong. Trump, you're wrong. Now hear me out. Trump, you're wrong. You know why? Bill de Blasio knows exactly what he's doing. He actually said it. He said he wants to buy up these empty properties and convert them into affordable housing. And Bill de Blasio has a history of rather far left policy ideas. And there's actually an article in the New York Times talking about how (laughs) Bill de Blasio is a communist. Okay, okay. I don't know. I know a lot of people will, you know, accuse me of being a communist. I'll probably say he's not. The SBA, it's the the police union, I guess, in New York City, slammed him for quoting Karl Marx. I think he was quoting Marx and then criticizing the idea. But we have this article from the New York Times I want to get to. But first, let's just talk about what's happening with New York City. The gist of what I'm trying to get to is I've long said I think that de Blasio and Cuomo are hurting New York on purpose, simply because we have stories like this. De Blasio reveals he wants to buy empty New York City buildings and turn them into affordable housing. Well, that sounds like everything he's doing is deliberate. So for those that may have missed the the previous context from other videos about about the cities, you've got checkpoints, $10,000 fines, 14 day quarantine. This basically makes sure there's no tourism. He's putting homeless people in luxury neighborhood hotels at taxpayer expense. So people are fleeing in mass. And I've covered quite a bit of these stories about how people feel New York City is dying. Let me let me read to you a bit about the criticism here and what Trump is saying. I think you get the idea of what Trump is saying, but let's see what's going on with this story from the Daily Mail. They say Trump slammed Bill de Blasio as he was interviewed over the phone on Fox and Friends on Monday morning. The president said New York City has been gradually declining over de Blasio's watch over the last four years. And I, that's that's true. That's as far as I understand. I mean, I left a few years ago. Crime, particularly shootings, has shot up recently, and the NYPD is having resources taken away. The Sergeant's Benevolent Association, the largest NYPD union, has endorsed Trump for re-election. Now, apparently, there's like a really big deal that this, I'm not sure if it was the SBA, it may have been, but Trump got endorsed by a police union that hasn't made an endorsement in like 40 years. It's a serious deal. Last week, there were more than 60 shootings across New York City that left 76 people injured and 14 killed. The number is two and a half times more than the same week in 2019 and is among other rising crime stats. While crime rises, the culture that brought millions to the city continues to disintegrate, coupled with the fact that businesses are now operating with entire remote workforces. Many are asking, what's the point of living in the city (laughs) of what's the point of what the point of living in the city even is? I completely agree. And that's one of the reasons I left for sure. I mean, I, I work digitally. I've been thinking about this for a while. You know, my whole operation is remote. I complain to the internet and record audio and then upload it to the internet. You can get access to it basically anywhere. It's actually a cool story. When I was in Fukushima, Japan, like everything's shut down as a total disaster area because it's, it's where the nuclear disaster hit. I was playing Hearthstone, the video game on my phone, thinking about how cool it is that you can basically connect to the network anywhere. So why should people come back to New York even if it was being managed properly? And that is a big challenge for for de Blasio, to be fair. But I got to admit, when I look at everything that's going on in New York City with this hysterical mass shutdown, I got to say, I believe it's intentional. And maybe it's because Bill de, Blasio, Bill de Blasio actually is a communist fool, as Trump says. President Trump slammed Bill de Blasio as a communist fool who destroyed New York City on Monday morning as more residents flee. They say many fled New York in March when it was the epicenter of the pandemic. 
with the intention of returning. But as the lockdown dragged on, forcing hundreds of businesses to close their doors, and as businesses survived their remote workforce, many abandoned their apartments. In recent weeks, crime has shot up and homelessness is spraying across the city. The NYPD's largest union, SBA, has taken the unorthodox step of formally endorsing Trump because cops are so frustrated with de Blasio's handling of the city. Here's what you got to understand about cops. Cops have friends. Cops have families. Cops have parents. Cops have kids. These people all vote. Each and every one of these cops in New York City, of which I believe there's like 30 to 40,000. Now just estimate their extended families about five. You got a couple hundred thousand people right there being directly impacted by what's going on with these cops and the failure of this of this city. They say in June, de Blasio stripped the NYPD of a billion dollars in response to Black Lives Matter protesters. Trump has vowed to revitalize the city if he wins the November election, but he hasn't yet explained how. De Blasio remains in power until November 2021. He cannot be reelected. Good. On Monday morning, the president phoned into Fox and Friends to discuss a range of issues. He said the mayor has no response. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a fool. Now, I think Trump is playing it safe here. I mean, he did call him a communist fool, but I think he's playing it safe because in my opinion, I mean, you look at these, look at this, look at this photo. Protesters are stopping cars and threatening them in Manhattan over the weekend. I'm hearing stories. Look at the, man, these photos are mind blowing. I'm hearing stories that in Times Square, they're chasing cars. There's people just in the street, just randomly chasing cars. Bill de Blasio knows what he's doing. I mean, listen, I'm not, I don't believe that it's, it's all necessarily some grand conspiracy that Bill de Blasio has some kind of like long-term plan. He's called that. Nothing like that. I think Bill de Blasio is absolutely influenced by his time in South America. We can see the story from the New York Times. A mayoral hopeful now, de Blasio was once a young leftist from September 22nd, 2013. The scruffy young man who arrived in Nicaragua stood out. They say that he was basically, you know, look, look, look at this. Mr. de Blasio studied Latin American politics at Columbia and, uh, and was a conversational in Spanish, grew to be an admirer of Nicaragua's ruling Sandinista party, thrusting himself into one of the most polarizing issues in American politics at the time. The Reagan administration denounced the Sandinistas as tyrannical and communist, while their liberal back backers argued that after years of dictatorship, they were building a free society with broad access to education, land, and health care. Today, Mr. de Blasio is critical of the Sandinistas' crackdown on dissenters, but said he learned from his time trying to help the Central American country. So I, I, I'm going to be totally reasonable, I guess. I don't think Bill de Blasio is an outright authoritarian communist, a tanky or anything like that. I think Bill de, Bla Bill de Blasio is far left. I think he leans authoritarian. And I think he knows what he's doing in the sense that his view of how to run New York City is completely shaped by his youth dealing with these far left, arguably communist governments. He's seen their plans. That's how he views the world. And to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So when you get a crisis like this, Bill de Blasio does what he knows best, what, what he learned from his time experiencing these things, which means ultimately you have homeless people being placed in, uh, in these uh, luxury hotels at taxpayer expense. You've got just simple leftist policy. This is another thing I want to show you from 2019. Mayor wants a vacancy tax for empty storefronts. Vacant storefront windows throughout New York City are an urban blight. And with traditional retail being such a tough market, they're becoming more common. Mayor Bill de Blasio has a plan to solve this. While in Albany, the mayor called for the passage of a commercial vacancy tax. 
What this would do is force retail locations from keeping their properties empty or holding out for higher paying long term tenants. I understand the idea, but you have to understand this is a leftist idea, punitive taxing to force the public to do things or over threat of taking more money from them. Bill de Blasio may not be a communist, but I so I'll tell you this. Trump's insult. okay, but he knows what he's doing. I saw these photos. This is why, I, look, I, I know I've done a bunch of uh, segments talking about the destruction of our cities, but I got to show you, this is, this is like kind of one of those, uh, you ever see an old sitcom where they do a flashback episode? These photos are nuts. Check this out. You got garbage all over the streets. They say last week, more than 60 shootings, police tape everywhere. You got the video and photos of the, the random people running through the streets, attacking vehicles. You've got this. Homeless encampments are popping up all over the city pictured one of the encampments in lower Manhattan. Think about what's happening right now. Check it out. Rich people left, right? Bill de Blasio then says he wants to buy up these buildings. Then middle class and poor people are forced out of their apartments because they have no more money. They get evicted or for just one reason or another, end up on the street or just, you know, yeah, homeless. Bill de Blasio then says, I'll tell you what, we will put you up in the new building we just bought. Now these people live in government housing, and it's all just happening before our eyes. I want to be fair. I'm not saying that Bill de Blasio made it all happen. COVID literally happened. I think, though, he's definitely taking advantage. And I think, like I said, his worldview is shaped by communism. So he's going to do what he knows best. Look at this, man. This is crazy to me. Outside Citibank right here, it says homeless people in New York City on August 14th. Some residents say they no longer want to stay in New York because the homeless population is growing and becoming more aggressive. He's a socialist, communist. Maybe he's a fool. He got rid of some of the most talented policemen that there are in the world. And that includes looking for uh, and that includes looking for very bad things all beyond New York. I don't know what he means specifically. Some of those people are gone and that's no good. No, this is a fool. This is a fool. He said of de Blasio. Crime has shot up in recent weeks, particularly shootings. There were more than 60 shootings across New York City in the last week, leaving 76 people injured. Trump said on Monday, look at the shootings. When I left New York four years ago, New York was. I could see the seeds of this because he's been a bad mayor, but New York was good. It was okay. It all happened recently. It all came together. All of this over a period of years, and he's been mayor, but uh, but about a year. And then six months ago, it's incredible what happened. Yeah. Most of you, um, many of you probably know this. I lived on that street where those two cops got executed. I live there, man. I, I look out my window and I see what's going on. I walk over. There's a vehicle. These two cops, a black lives, uh, 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 a black identity extremist walked up with a gun, shot an Asian and a Latino officer, just bang, bang. Then he ran to the subway. I, got, I think he, he killed himself. I actually still have a piece of the police tape from that scene. It was right in front of my house. I saw it laying on the ground. I picked it up and I was like, man, you know, it's, it's something that represents that moment. I ended up deciding to move down to Miami because I was working for Fusion at the time. I was like, I got to get out of this place, man. And it felt like a good opportunity to get closer to the company and try and, you know, do more and expand. But the company was just horribly mismanaged. I went down there for a year, decided to move back, but this time to the Jersey, to New Jersey to stay out of New York City because of how bad it was. And while I was in Jersey, just on the other side of, uh, of the river, bombs were planted in New York. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you got this unrest. These protests are happening and I moved further and further away. And now I moved further south. And you know what? I feel like I'm always one one step ahead of where everything ends up. Now the riots have hit the cities, you know, so I'm glad I'm not there anymore. 
they've gone to the neighborhoods in some areas. Glad I'm not, you know, I'm glad I'm not in New York and around the area, around that area, Chicago. Now I'm moving to more rural areas because once again, I think what we're seeing in all these cities, it's not a, it's not so much like it's a plan, but when you have an ever far left Democratic Party, which is what we are seeing, they view everything through this lens. They have simplistic answers and they believe they're more powerful than natural forces. 100%. I am not a laissez-faire capitalist kind of guy. I like the mixed, I like a mixed market, but I do believe that, you know, economically leaning slightly to the right, like we are, you let the market sort of help out. Like, you know, the the government, in my opinion, should sort of referee to a certain extent, and there should be some social uh, programs. But for the most part, you let the businesses do what the business got to do. You you let the machine churn because this is a, a, de- a, a capitalist economy, okay? It's a decentralized network of people deciding what resources they need and where they need to apply them. As COVID hits, we saw truly the most devastating effect of command economy. The government saying, shut it all down is the perfect example of a command economy where an executive or a party just decides this is what we do. And that's New York. And that's all these Democrat states. And so I'll tell you this, man, I'm probably going to step back from, you know, advocating. I, I've always been a bit of a milk toast fence sitter, right? So that's the kind of that's, that's that's the joke. But I still have believed in some left wing policies. Now I'm just going to shut up. You know why? You look at these red states, they doing OK. South Dakota, they rejected Trump's stimulus, the four hundred dollar unemployment boost. We don't we don't need it. Things are actually doing great. Jobs are back. GDP is slightly up. Sorry. Thanks. But no, thanks. You know, appreciate the offer. All these blue states, chaos, calamity, collapse this. So, you know, I respect Trump when he says it, that this guy's a communist. And that and that leads me to this very difficult position. There is uh, a common trope. Actually, you guys might be familiar with Ryan Long. He's the comedian who made that really funny, woke and racist thing where they have the shirts one and they agree on everything. He just put out another one where you have two guys who are le- one's on the left and one's on the right. And the guy on the left is just going nuts. And the guy on the right is like, just why don't you come over here and play with me? You know, and he's just acting totally chill and normal. And that's how things are basically happening in these red states and cities. For the most part, they're saying, OK, OK, you know, do your thing. I guess we'll try our best in these blue cities and blue states. They're basically, you know, putting on an iron gauntlet, slamming their fist down and dictating. And it's not working. The edict isn't working. The lockdowns aren't working. They're destroying everything around them. Meanwhile, the Sunbelt states aren't doing that bad. South Dakota is doing fantastic. And that leads me to a position where I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say to any of this, but I'm certainly not going to vote for any of these people who try and wink at me and tell me that they're going to support my ideas. Nah, it's okay. I would rather a Republican get in at this point in New York City, and then I will argue to him about certain certain ways I think we can compromise and I can get some of what I want. But no way am I going to listen to these Democrat people like de Blasio because they've already proven they've destroyed everything. And I'll tell you what, man, I've, I've been watching everything right now with what happened in Portland. This is where I'm being pushed to. You know, I look at the issues that are most important in with, with cities collapsing, with mass rioting. And I'm like, man, if we are going to pull together because we need our cities, man, we do. I mean, there is remote work right now, but we need our cities to function. If we are going to survive and make it through this and rebuild, then we need we need to solve the most important issues in front of us. I can sit here and talk to you all day about taxation. I can talk to you about income disparity. I can talk to you about health care. But right now, I'm not concerned about those things. You know why? 
We have more pressing issues. Mass homelessness in the streets. They failed in these cities. Mass rioting. I'll tell you what. The Democrats are completely unable to help the people who are losing their homes. They're completely unable. They've been unable in California forever before the crisis. We had typhoid and other diseases emerging in California. Now you got what's going on in New York City. Bill de Blasio's out of his mind. So I say this, you know what? So be it. The most important issue to me right now is the chaos and the riots. And guess who has offered a solution to that? Donald Trump and the Republicans. Now, I, I, I think it's very important that anybody does their research on the Republicans, on, on the Democrats, on their individual candidates. But I'll tell you what, man, when I see ads like, you know, Sean Parnell running for Congress, he puts out an ad where he directly addresses the riots and the chaos. That's my issue right now. They raised the bridges in Chicago and they're doing it for like a week. I grew up there. That's insane. So when I see these politicians ignoring it, when I see the Democratic mayor of Chicago fail, 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 Garcetti threaten to take away rights, Bill de Blasio, a communist fool, I say this needs to stop. It's not about team politics. I don't care what party you are. Give me a solution. You didn't. I'm voting for somebody else. Right now, one of the biggest complaints many people had about Trump was the way he behaves, the way he talks. Pay attention to the videos, the press conferences over the past couple, several months. He's been really chill about it. I got nothing to complain about. Absolutely nothing. And so I'll tell you this. If Trump came out right now and started spitting and yelling and cussing up a storm, I'd say, yeah, well, are you going to solve the problem of the riots? OK, then that's it. What do you want me to say? You know, so he's 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 obviously more conservative on tax cuts, on environmental regulations, on, on abortion issues, things I'm on the left about. But that's not that, that's, that's not even an issue to me right now. And it's shocking to me when I talk to my friends, they ignore this. Are you watching the world around you unfold and seeing what's happening? Man, it's been it's been it's been crazy with these with with what the way the Democrats have run with this crisis has been never let a good crisis go to waste. They have exploited everything and they're now trying to exploit an election. So when Donald Trump comes out, communist fool, he's ruined the city. I'm like, I mean, he's kind of right. The New York Times wrote about the dude praising the Sandinistas in the past. He's critical of him now. Bill de Blasio, I mean. And now he's coming out and saying he's a fool who burned this city down. He definitely did. And it's why I'm not there anymore. Look at this. The SBA said, coming from an incompetent mayor who quotes Karl Marx, you question the patriotism of the president. Pay attention to the shootings and murders in your own city. A city that took 30 years to make safe, you destroyed in 30 days. Resign or surrender to the authorities. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Bold statement from the SBA. They say this. He really is an idiot. He's for funding the post office and defunding the police as people in the city are being gunned down in record numbers. And that's true. That's true. Trump says law and order. If NYC mayor can't do it, we will. I warned. I warned of this. I said this was going to happen two years ago. Go back and watch my videos. If the far left keeps doing what they're doing, eventually people will stand up and beg Trump for police on the streets. I was right. I was absolutely right. I told you earlier this year, riots, riots happened. I don't think I'm the smartest person in the world. I don't think these are brought, these are, these are hard predictions. I think they're very obvious. I'm not the only one who's noticed these things. And I find myself now here saying, you know what? If the only person offering up law and order is Donald Trump, then I am going to say, I'll take, I'll take it. You know why? You, you take a look at what happened in Chicago. Trump said to the mayor, let me give you some federal troops. Why don't you call in the National Guard? And I said, I don't need a, 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 lead, a lesson from you, Trump. Mass looting, cars crashing into windows, gunshots going off, people dying. 
for nothing, for just people to steal, for people to steal. Trump made the offer. I'm not stupid enough to take a look at somebody who's saying I can deal with these riots and for me to be like, no, I'd rather have the riots. I certainly wouldn't. You have to convince me. You really want me to to not support someone, you know, to, to, to vote for someone like Trump. You have to convince me the rioters are secretly part of some grand conspiracy that to, to steal my rights. Sorry, Trump did not invade these cities with feds. Bill de Blasio just screwed everything up and Trump is standing by. Already today, because of what happened in Portland, many people are calling on Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act. I don't know if it's a good idea, but I'm, but, but I'm going to tell you this. Most of my life, I have been rather center left. I did not vote after Obama because Obama was a liar, just to put it simply, and, and, and a bit tyrannical in many ways. And so I'm not going out and voting, but I've absolutely, you know, pushed some some left wing policy ideas. Now I'm going to shut up. Now I'm just going to say, okay, you know what? These people who claim to represent this have failed. So I'm going to stand back and say, like any sane, rational person, if I believe I know what's right and I'm going to take charge and I fail, I will pass the torch to somebody else. Like when you've got somebody in charge and they fail, they resign, right? It's kind of like that. This is, how it, this is how it used to be when I played video games with my friends. We'd be like, here, I know how to do this run. Say you're playing a game like Destiny. For those that are familiar, it's like a first person shooter. And I'll be like, here, follow me and, and, we'll, and we'll do this. We got to do that, that and that. If we die, if we lose, get a game over, whatever. Then I'd be like, okay, you, 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 take, you take the reins. I, I, I mess this one up. It's that, that simply. That's where I'm at right now. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. This has been crazy. We see the red states are working. The blue states aren't. I'm done. I'm just going to say, okay, you guys do your thing. You guys do your thing and let's see how it plays out. And if I have a problem with, with where it goes, then I'll stand up and speak out against it like I do with Democrats. But for now, Trump's right. De Blasio destroyed this place. I can say it a million times, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. You may have heard about the arrest of Millie Weaver because it was trending on Twitter just a day or so ago. She's a woman who was about to release a documentary, which ultimately did get released, and it's called Shadowgate. The theme of which is that there are people essentially orchestrating riots, and it's a big political game. Now, full disclosure, I didn't watch the documentary. I don't know a whole lot about it. But what I'm interested in are the facts pertaining to her arrest. Many people said that when she got arrested, this must have something to do with this documentary that was supposedly exposing the deep state. It doesn't appear to be the case. It seems that the warrant against her was issued like four weeks before it was executed. However, it does seem really weird anyway. Now, of course, we've got right wing watch Jared Holt saying that this looks like a family altercation over like a cell phone or something. And that the warrant was issued a long time ago, well before she was going to publish this doc. But perhaps she was working at the documentary. She was working on the documentary at the time. And maybe there is still something, you know, nefarious. I can't suggest that. I have no evidence. However, there is a comment included in this article that apparently they claim may. Uh, I, I got to be very careful here. You look, it's, it's, it's news. A comment appeared on a YouTube video, apparently claiming to be from the mother, talking about how it was related to a cell phone. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, and the story is really weird, the very least thing, you know, the, at the very least, here's what I can say. We have an article from heavy.com, which is considered to be a credible news source, giving us more details on why Millie Weaver got arrested. And let's read it and talk about it. Heavy says Millie Weaver, Ohio arrest related to altercation with mother court docs show. They say Millie Weaver is an Infowars contributor and conservative filmmaker is facing criminal charges because of a dispute with her mother, Portage County court documents confirm. 
Weaver, along with her partner, Gavin Wentz, and younger brother, Charles Weaver, was arrested on August 14th in front of her two young children at her home in northeastern Ohio. She was detained hours before she was scheduled to release a documentary on YouTube called Shadowgate. In a trailer for the film, Weaver claimed she had spoken with two whistleblowers who had knowledge of an orchestrated coup against President Donald Trump. The timing of her arrest prompted conspiracy theories online, with critics questioning whether the arrest was related to the documentary. In fact, some were saying she was getting assanged. Now, I don't know if that's true. We, you, you've, look, I, I don't like conspiracy theories. Show me the evidence. I will say the arrest based on the information we're given seems kind of absurd. Let's read the indictment, which was made, ag- made available August 17th on the Portage County Clerk of Courts website, states Weaver was charged in connection to an altercation with her mother on April 25th, 2020. Here's what you need to know. One, Weaver is accused of threatening to inflict physical harm against her mother, Felicia McCarran. It says indictment, robbery, tam- uh, robbery, tampering with evidence, obstruction of justice, domestic violence, obstructing justice. Sorry. They say the jurors of the grand jury of the state of Ohio within and for the body of the county aforesaid on their oaths in the name and by the authority of the state of Ohio do find and present that Millicent F. Weaver, Charles L. Weaver Jr. and Gavin S. Wince on or about the 25th day of April 2020 at the county of Portage state of Ohio aforesaid did in attempting or committing a theft offense as defined in section 291, 2913.01 of the revised code or in fleeing immediately after the attempted offense uh, recklessly inflict, attempted to, to inflict or threatened to inflict physical, physical harm upon Felicia McCarran, said acting, said act being robbery, a felony of the second degree. Millicent F. Weaver is facing felony charges because of a dispute with her mother, Felicia McCarran. The indictment handed down by a Portage County grand jury shows the altercation happened. We, we know this. The indictment lists all of the charges without providing details about what happened. Heavy has requested a copy of the criminal affidavit from the county prosecutor, but we have not yet heard back. Weaver is accused of threatening to harm McCarran during the course of a robbery, which is a second degree felony. The indictment from the Portage County Grand Jury states, we, 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 uh, we read this already. They say the fourth charge is a first degree misdemeanor count of domestic, of domestic violence. The grand jury found probable cause that Weaver had recklessly caused serious physical harm to a family or household member. Now, Heavy goes on too. A person claiming to be Weaver's mother wrote on YouTube the dispute was about a $50 cell phone. Weaver's mother has weighed in on her daughter's arrest. A woman claiming to be Felicia McCarran posted a comment on a YouTube video that was published by the official Hagman Report. On August 14th, the comment links back to an account that appears to belong to McCarran. McCarran described the situation as a family dispute and that the, the robbery pertained to a $50 cell phone. McCarran claimed she had asked local authorities to drop the charges several weeks before Weaver's arrest. The, so I'm going to stop here. The only way we can actually confirm this would be to get a video statement or a, an official statement from Weaver's mother. So far, we just have this YouTube comment. I am not a big fan of using that because anyone could have written it. So take it all with a grain of salt. The comment says, this is Millie's mother. It's my cell phone worth about $50 that she took during a family dispute that happened months ago when I was in Ohio visiting family. She took it because I had my phone on recording during an argument we were having. We resolved the issue immediately, and I dropped all charges right after it happened before I left Ohio because it was a gross misunderstanding and no harm was done. Hold on. Her mom called the cops. This is why I'm not a big fan of whatever this is. It's a weird situation for the mom to call the police on her, her daughter and, you know, her son. 
and her daughter's, I guess, boyfriend or husband or whatever. It seems strange, but I guess it happened and then they resolved it. Well, don't file charges or call the cops on people you care about unless you, you know, you, you have to understand the ramifications of this. She, uh, the comment says all families have their disagreements, especially during a quarantine. In, in, in CA, nothing happens when you call the police. I am shocked my family was arrested after I told the police to drop all charges months ago. I had a general affidavit of non-prosecution notarized today, and I spoke with the police chief who told me I could, do, I could not do anything until Monday morning, and my daughter, son, and her boyfriend have to stay in jail over the weekend. I am extremely upset. This is not what I wanted to happen. I think they have a lot, a lot bigger fish to fry. Makes me think this might have been done to prevent her from coming out with some political information she is covering. There was no reason for this. I really doubt it. I doubt it. I don't believe it. I'm sorry. Listen, all this did was bolster the documentary. Okay, you, 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 the, a better conspiracy would be that she was trying to pop prop up the documentary. So they staged this, you know, this claim to get her arrested. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Look, things like this happen. But the important thing you all need to realize is that you do not prosecute. Okay, the state does. That means if you come forward and say a crime hath been committed, the state will say we either will or won't prosecute. Once they decide to, you can say, I don't want to press charges. They can say too bad. You know why? If they don't need you to testify, they can prosecute with enough evidence. That's all that matters. They brought it before a grand jury. The grand jury said, roll with it. That's it. That's, that's all you need. To, that, that, there you go. Now they'll go to trial and maybe the mom can testify on behalf of Millie Weaver, assuming this story is true. It's important you know you don't prosecute. The state does. They say the arrest warrant, number three, was issued nearly four weeks before Weaver was detained. It says, you know, secret indictment doesn't really mean anything. The warrant for arrest was filed four weeks before it was executed. Portage County court documents prove the warrant, which can be viewed here, states the indictment against Weaver was filed in uh, on July 20th. The document was stamped by clerk of courts, Jill Frankhauser. It includes the following language. Bring said person before said court without unnecessary delay. It's unclear why it took the sheriff's department 25 days to carry out the arrest. The warrant was labeled as a secret indictment. Under Ohio law, that simply means the indictment is kept sealed until the defendant has been apprehended by law enforcement. Now, it's entirely possible that the mom comes in, this all goes away, it's no big deal, and hey, it boosted her documentary, right? They said the prosecutor recommended the judge set bond at $20,000. To me, that seems very strange, you know, but whatever. Uh, she has to pay uh, $2,000. Otherwise, she remains in jail, you know, while this, you know, goes on. But I think they'll pay it. They say, uh, five, Felicia McCarran lives in California and previously worked in real estate. Based on the comment we saw, Heavy is saying the comment traces back to an account that appears to be from McCarran. The comment states that she's, you know, in California, nothing happened. So maybe that's, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all true. Weaver was born in San Bernardino and her mother is still located in SoCal. Felicia McCarran previously worked in real estate. I don't think it matters. McCarran's public Facebook page has not been updated since 2014. According to the page, she worked at OC Weekly, but it's unclear in what capacity. Weaver pursued a career entertainment, blah, blah, blah. I don't think any of this matters. Um, look, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and uh, um, tell you whether the documentary is, is correct or incorrect. I, I, I'm, I, I have, I've watched parts of it. There are some things I see in there I kind of roll my eyes at, but hey, that's just me. I happen to have, you know, firsthand information on some of the things that she's talked about. Nothing really nefarious, just certain individuals involved who I've, you know, come across in, in, in my career. So I think all, all you can really do is watch the documentary for yourself. 
You, a lot of outlets call her a conspiracy theorist, say that her fans are. It's entirely up to you. I'm, uh, all, I'm, all I'm here to report on is the current information and give you my thoughts on it. I'll tell you this, just to, just to wrap it up. I do not believe it was a conspiracy. I do not believe she's being Assanged. I believe this has helped her documentary, if anything. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, today, tomorrow, or at some point, she's probably going to be released. She'll give a statement and, and, and we'll, see how, we'll see how this plays out. I will say, however, if it is true that they arrested her over a $50 cell phone and that was the real complaint, that seems really weird. Like, wh- wh- why? Especially if the mom is saying she doesn't want to be involved. So let's see if they drop the prosecution. If they move forward, then we're looking at something that's kind of strange. I'll tell you this. We'll see how it plays out, though. But there's your big update. The reason I did this, I did this video because no one had any details. Heavy just put the details out this morning. It's from uh, Aaron Laviola, this 11 a.m., so I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you all shortly. I, I can't believe this breaking news story of the most epic proportions. This story will shock the conscience of our nation. Evening newscasts 150 times more negative toward Trump than Biden, study says. Wow. When the American people find out that the news is biased towards the left, they will certainly be shocked to their core. Yeah, right. I'm kidding, by the way. I think most of you realized that. We know this. I don't even know why I'm recording a segment on it. Water is wet, says Tim Pool after reading a study that said water is wet. We know the media is biased against Trump. It's the only thing they have. And I'll tell you what's really funny about it. There was a Digiday article I talked about a couple days ago. They are so terrified, absolutely terrified of Trump losing. I kid you not. You know, they, they run these negative stories, but they secretly want Trump to win. They really do. Because they know once Trump is out of office, what are they going to do? Their ratings are going to go down. You know what? I don't have that problem because my my complaint is with the fake news establishment and the establishment politicians. So as a more, you know, like moderate and populist kind of individual, I'm going to rag on the elite elites and the dirty games they play. I don't care who it is right now. It happens to be the media, the Democrats. And guess what? There's a reality check. Most of you probably know this. Okay, the Democrats represent today the Republican establishment and the Democratic Democratic establishment. And the media is a part of their game. Trump wasn't supposed to win. He's an insurgent. And you can see all the Republicans who retired, all the never Trumpers who fled. Trump burst his way into the Republican you know, establishment room, and they've been panicking for a long time. They all still support war, and they oppose Trump when he tries to end it. That should be obvious to everybody. And it's probably why Trump supporters use the lion instead of, you know, the, the, the what are the, I don't know the Republicans are. What are they, the elephant? They don't use any of this stuff anymore because they know Donald Trump is not whatever that establishment is. That's where my problem lies, right? Bernie Sanders joined the establishment. Donald Trump challenges the establishment. The media supports the establishment. I'm all for the people, man. And there's a lot of leftists who are playing the establishment game and it breaks my heart, but that's reality. Check it out. They say the evening newscasts on ABC, CBS and NBC have been 150 times more negative when covering Trump compared to Joe Biden. The Media Research Center analyzed all statements made by reporters, anchors, and nonpartisan sources, such as experts or voters made on CBS's Evening News, NBC Nightly News, and ABC's World News Tonight, from June 1st through July 31st. The findings showed that Biden has received eight positive evaluative statements, with only four negative comments made about the former vice president in a two-month period. But when it comes to Trump, the study showed that coverage has been overwhelmingly negative. You know, the funny thing is, it's mostly fake news. But let me tell you something. 
A lot of people say, Tim, why won't you rag on the Republicans all day? What, like every other media outlet? Do you really need me to do that? And it's not just about that. I think the reason channels like mine do well in the first place is because I personally am already in a predisposition against the establishment for these reasons. So let me, let me clarify what's happening. You take 10 people, okay? You got a handful that parrot the mainstream media. They're useless. You got a handful that challenge the establishment in general. They're useful. There's no grand conspiracy. Nobody is grifting. That's the reality. I mean, some people are grifting. There are left-wing channels that do fairly well. YouTube is fairly conservative. It really is. Moderates and conservatives are seeing massive growth on YouTube, and the progressives are seeing you know decent growth. But the right has been... I think it's fair to say that whenever this culture wars, I'm certainly not aligned with whatever the leftists are. And that's because the Trump camp and the right and the anti-SWs, all of these things are a bigger tent, which include politically homeless, disaffected liberals. So here's what happens. The reason why you'll watch a channel like mine and it'll do well and why I'm typically challenging their narrative, they do the, it, they're the inversion. These are the, this is really, really fascinating when you think about this whole Trump phenomenon and anti-SJW, the establishment, the corporations, the powers that be, this is the mainstream establishment culture telling you orange man, bad, sniff, sleepy, creepy man, good, I guess. That's what they say. So you have all these punk rock people claiming to be counter counterculture and they're not. And then you look at what we have elites and the wealthy, the wealthiest running these big networks and individuals challenging them through social media. And that's probably why they want to ban everybody. Take a look at this. This is amazing. There've been 34 positive statements about Donald Trump, 634 negative, eight positive statements about Biden and four negative. What's really funny about this in campaign coverage, the most biased campaign coverage in history is that they're not even talking about Joe Biden. He's hiding in the basement. Where is he? Sleepy, creepy, hiding Joe Biden. That's his name. And that's what he has to bring to the table. So by all means, vote for the guy who hides when there's conflict. This is what bothers me the most about Joe Biden and his strategy. You've literally got people who hate Trump so much, they would elect a commander in chief who hides. He's a coward. Joe Biden is a coward hiding. Chris Wallace said it. Where is he? They're not sending anybody out. The DNC is coming up and they don't have anybody to come out and talk about what their what their plan is. No, it's because Joe Biden's a coward, man. It's because he's one of the most pathetic politicians we've ever had in American history. One of the most. I'm sure you can go back and find some other pathetic individuals. But when it comes to when it comes to being a presidential candidate, I'm sorry, man, you have pro- you, th- th- these these people, they do not get people like me. And that's why they can't track what's really going to happen. Because I'll tell you what, they put out some ad and it was like a former DHS staffer with like this piano music playing. And he's like, Donald Trump is just a tyrant. And, and, and he wanted to bring back zero tolerance. And I'm like, oh, it is so annoying when they do. You know, you know that those commercials where it's like it plays Sarah McLachlan and it's like dogs and the dogs are sick or whatever. That makes me angry. It doesn't make me feel sympathy for you. It offends me that you would dare try and manipulate my emotions instead of giving me calm, practical reasons for why you're doing what you do. And that's what we're seeing right now. These pathetic ads dragging and slamming Trump, the lies, the endless fake news coverage. Spare me. You're making me angrier. And the more they lie, the more sick of it I get. But I will tell you this. If there is one thing we have learned from all of this is that Joe Biden is the most pathetic coward ever to run for president. And I mean it. 
And yes, I'm a little bit emotional. Normally, I don't say these things as an emotional drive against people, but it's factually true. It is a fact. Joe Biden, they call him hiding Joe Biden. He's a coward. Quite literally, he is a coward hiding in his basement, won't debate, won't come out, won't do news programs. Okay, okay, let's be honest. It is my opinion when I say this, but I think it's a fair opinion. Come on. When, when, you've, got, when you've got Chris Wallace says he's been doing it for 30 years and never has he seen anything like this where they won't send out campaign surrogates to talk about the DNC, you got something special there. Joe Biden knows that if he speaks out against Trump, Trump will obliterate him. And the best thing he can do is hide. Do you think that's the kind of president we should have? Now, Donald Trump has his faults for sure. What happens if we get attacked? What happens if one of our, you know, naval vessels gets swarmed by Iranian gunships? They fire at it. Joe Biden hides. Oh, but, but if I say anything, it'll get worse. That's what Joe Biden is doing. And there's people who hate Trump so much they would elect a coward to the presidential office. Listen, Joe, uh, Joe Biden could not protect you from a schoolyard bully. Donald Trump is the schoolyard bully. I don't like bullies. I don't. I don't like Obama. I like people who are going to be honorable, noble. Donald Trump has improved greatly. I think it's fair to say. I got, I'll admit it. He's not been doing the rambunctious, bombastic insults like he used to do. He's been very calm and collected, and it's respectable. 100%. You do right. I will praise you for it. But I'll tell you this right now. I would rather have the schoolyard bully defending me than Hayden, coward, sniveling Joe Biden. Sleepy, creepy, hiding in the basement. We need a president who's willing to cross into the DMZ in North Korea with no security. And that's what Trump did. And you know what? He has my respect for it. Absolute respect for it. Would Joe Biden step up? No way. Joe Biden wouldn't even fly to South Korea. He's so pathetic. He's terrified. He's hiding in his basement, man. And you want to put this guy in the in the president? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. No, I look at this news coverage and I'm like, the reason they're not talking about him is because he's hiding under the covers in his basement in the corner with the lights off, you know, shaking, terrified, terrified of what would really happen if people found out who he was, what he represented terrified of what would happen if he actually tried to challenge Donald Trump to a debate. So will there be a debate? Well, CNN says there will be. I wonder what it'll look like. The joke, I guess, from the Babylon Bee, or maybe it was the onion, I'm not sure, is that a guy shows up claiming it's Joe Biden wearing a full body protective suit with a mask. You can't see his face and warns that he may sound a little bit different because of his because of his protective gear, because it won't be him. He can't do it. He won't do it. And because of this, the media won't come out and say anything. But the media loves to drag Trump for the ratings. They love to be the orange man, bad network of America. And I look at this and I'll tell you what, you know why Donald Trump gets dragged so much? It's because he's not afraid. And that's a fact. You can you can mock and belittle Trump all you want. He's not scared. And let me make something clear. A lot of people I, I've seen comments where they say things like, you know, Tim will claim to not like Trump, but then make all these pro Trump videos. It's like, hold, hold on a minute. That's that makes perfect sense. Are you joking? Yeah, there's a lot of things bad about Trump. So what? I'm not here to 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 parrot the mainstream media. I'm here to to uh, go after the establishment and target them for lying. And it just so happens that Trump is not that bad. It's not about being pro-Trump. It's about being anti-establishment. It's about me being sick and tired of every single stupid lie to protect a coward who hides in his basement. And for all the problems I have with Trump, 
I'm sick of the establishment sub- substantially more. I am not pro-Trump. I am absolutely anti-establishment. And if that means the only person who's going to protect me from the riots, who's going to actually stand up and call these people out as Donald Trump, then I give the middle finger to the establishment and I'll slam that Trump button. It is not pro-Trump. It is anti-establishment. There are many pro-Trump people. And I find myself now sitting down having conversations with them. And I will tell you this. I don't want to have to vote for anybody. And I can give Trump praise for doing the right things. You know why? Because it's a slap in the face to the people who spit in our face, who lie to us every day in the fake news media and the Democrats and the never Trumpers who lie and spit in our face as well. You know what? You want to put up your stupid, emotionally manipulative garbage and then you want to have Joe Biden hide in the basement. Yes, I absolutely will walk over to a guy I'm not particularly fond of and say, you know what? Here are the things he does right, everybody. This is the guy who's going to go tell them to F you. Like Michael Moore said, the biggest F you in history was 2016. And now I get it. I do. It's not about supporting Trump or being pro-Trump. It's about saying, you know what? Release the bull. Let him rampage because I am sick of these people. And the last thing I'll do is put a coward in, 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 in the Oval Office. No, I'd rather have the bull. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I'll see you shortly. The media absolutely outraged that Donald Trump retweeted the founder of Walkaway, Brandon Strzok, who said, let the Democrat cities rot. And now, of course, the pundits are doing their rounds, saying their, you know, same thing they always say. Could you imagine if Barack Obama said, let Republican cities rot? Oh, it'd be the end. And I'm like, yeah, yes, 100 percent. Okay. And (laughs) the Republican cities aren't rioting right now. So I'm not surprised Barack Obama didn't say that. The circumstance is not necessarily a partisan one uh, when it comes to, you know, who you should vote for or who's trying to manipulate who. It's more an issue of quite literally Democrat cities are, are not doing so well. And not all of them, but many of them. Some of them are doing quite fine. And many of these Republican states and cities also doing quite fine. But the big cities that are run by Democrats, now nah, they're doing really, really bad. Here's what I love. When people say, well, it's just that Democrats run the biggest cities and big cities equal crime. No, it's crime per capita. Okay. It's not about mass. You know, I understand there's more crime in New York because there's more people per capita. Still, Democrats have the top cities. The best part, one of the biggest cities in the country, San Diego, run by a Republican. No, not doing so bad. That's the point. Trump, when he retweets, first of all, Trump, Trump is himself not saying let him rot. He was retweeting somebody. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe retweets aren't endorsements. That's what the left likes to say. That's what everybody says on Twitter, basically. The point being made, you vote for these people. Well, then what do you expect? Do you expect when you vote for a Democrat and your city burns down and then you go to the Republican and ask them for help? Like, we'll vote for the Republican next time. Here's the story. Donald, J- Donald Trump has come under fire for appearing to endorse a tweet calling for Democrat cities to, uh, to be left to rot amid continuing unrest in several metropo- uh, metropolises over the killing of George Floyd. I want to point out all of these journalists would say retweets aren't endorsements forever. But with Trump, oh, of course it is. Why? It's negative and they could make money off it. The president retweeted a, fo- a post by Brandon Strzok, a right wing activist, which called for people to leave Democratic cities as Black Lives Matter protesters took to the streets for an 11th week running. Let me let me fix that for you guys. Leave Democratic cities as Black Lives Matter extremists punted a man in the face, slamming his head into the ground and nearly killing him because he was trying to protect a trans woman. Okay, let's move on. Mr. Strzok, a Trump supporter who started the walk away movement in 2018 after renouncing the Democratic Party, was commenting on a video of demonstrators in New York City. 
I was adding the flair about Portland, mind you. He was talking about New York City. The video originally posted by retired NYPD direct uh, detective Rob O'Donnell showed protesters shouting at the driver of a car while they attempted to block traffic in Times Square. Responding to the video, Strzok, who made headlines in June after being recorded refusing to wear a face mask on board an American Airlines flight, said Democrats had activated a mental illness that was ruining U.S. cities. Mr. Trump retweeted the post, leading to criticism the, uh, the U.S. was now existing in a state of cold civil war. Trump didn't make that up. It was a Yale professor and a leftist, mind you, who said we were in a cold civil war. If Obama had retweeted someone saying, leave Republican states, let them rot, it would have been a multi-week, multi-month political scandal requiring clarifications and apologies from every top Democratic, uh, from every top Democrat. Columnist Mehdi Hassan said in a tweet, with Trump, it won't even register in today's headlines. That's uh, wrong. I'm literally reading you a story from The Independent. You better believe the left pounced on this. All right. I'll tell you what. They're actually still right, though. If Obama tweeted something like that, every every conservative commentator would be like, how dare Obama say, you know, states, blah, blah, blah. I can imagine Hannity and everybody and all spitting and yelling and complaining. Listen, it's partisan tribal politics. It's the name of the game. When I covered Occupy Wall Street, the left sang and cheered and danced around me, happy and gleeful, except for the, you know, fringe lunatics. They did attack me. That's true. And then when I started calling out the fringe lunatics as they gained power, the right started cheering too. I fully expect it to be the case as we move forward, right? In the future, you know, maybe something will happen and I'll say something. And then depending on the tribe, you know, we'll see how things play out. But let me tell you, the people, I, I think most of the people who watch, a lot of you are probably moderate centrist, center right, center left. And you probably recognize a lot of the things being pointed out. And I think it's fair to say that, yes, Democrat cities are doing really bad. And to be completely honest, Republican states, many of them do have deficits too. Not all of them. Some of them are doing, you know, kind of okay. Then would it would, would anybody complain if Barack Obama said he was going to cut funding to many of these states? Would people complain? Or would they be like, good, stop spending. The, the, the deficit's running ridiculous. It's a ridiculous number. Now, Trump, I guess, you know, the deficit, deficit's gone up under him as well. So to me, it's, it's listen, I'm less concerned about Democrat, Republican. I'm more concerned about establishment versus anti-establishment. The way I see it, Trump is anti-establishment. I know he's the president. It's just lucky that anti-establishment right-wing individuals actually got somebody in. The anti-establishment left has joined the establishment in going after him, and maybe that's you know going to hurt him. But in the end, the point being made is that the establishment runs these cities, and they always have. They play dirty games. That's why many of the governors in Illinois went to prison. I don't care for any of these people. I don't like Republican politicians. I don't like Democrat politicians. Just whatever, man. I want some consistency. I want liberty. I like individualism. These things are all about, you know, liberty. These way to put it. Some people say that Trump is a fascist Cheeto dictator, and that's just the stupidest thing ever. In fact, Donald Trump may be the least fascistic president we've had in a long time, and that's a fact. So you know what? For all the things I don't like about him, and, and, and listen, people need to understand this, right? The character of Trump, the things he cultivated, you, you might not care, but many people are put off by it. That's just a reality. So again, I say this relatively often, he's improved dramatically. And as of this year, I really have very little complaint about it. He's been very calm and collected, and I respect that. So, um, I, you know, look, I would say before the guy's not that bad. And now I'd say he's, he's okay. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pro-Trump in the sense that when given the choice between what I actually want in a president and Trump, I would pick Trump. Here, here's the way I break it down. I think there are Trump supporters. They see Trump as exactly what they're looking for or close to it. 
I don't. I see him as absolutely necessary, however, as yes, Democrat cities are rotting. Yes, the media is lying incessantly. The establishment is trying to regain control of, of, you know, of everything. And I said it in the last segment, now, I'm, I'm more about letting the bull run loose. And that's Donald Trump. And so be it. Right now, however, I'm a single issue voter. The Democrat cities, they're rotting. Brandon Strzok said, leave Democrat cities, let them rot. The media and the Democrats have activated this mental illness, and it's going to get more and more people hurt and killed. Walk away from the radical left and do it quickly. Yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right. I, I'm doing it. I'm getting out of these cities. So you know what, man? In the end, I'm a single issue voter right now. I'm not always. You know, I, I, I played into a lot of the left of the wedge issues. For me, there are two big issues. At first, it was always about foreign war. You know why? Because we talk about needing money. We talk about, you know, doing the right thing. We talk about not hurting innocent people. We talk about not oppressing marginalized communities. And I'm like, hey, end the wars in the Middle East. That's a big deal, right? Bring our troops back. We got about 8,000 left in Afghanistan. Trump's trying to bring them back. We've been, you know, reducing things. Iraq's dramatically reduced. I love it. Bring it all back. I don't care. And Trump's starting to do it. So I'll take it. But I'll tell you what. My big issue right now is that the cities are basically burning to the ground and the Democrats are the ones who are doing it. So guess what? If I saw Barack Obama say, you know, let the Republican states rot, I, I, I would not care. I, I really wouldn't. I, I don't know. Maybe some people would be like, but we need federal funding for these programs. What about I guess if, if he was going to direct funds to Democrat states to benefit, you know, politically, I'd be upset about it in that regard because they're horribly mismanaged. But Trump is not doing that. You see, you see, here's the point. If Obama said, I'm going to fund Democrats in Democratic states and not Republicans, the complaint would be, but the Democratic states are horribly mismanaged. Why give them money? And the left would argue, but so are the red states. That's why they need the money. But it's priority, right? I think it's a fair point, but it's priority. I don't want Trump to give the Democrats a bailout because of the chaos happening in their, in their, in their states. And I wouldn't want him to do it for Republicans either. So, okay, I'll take it. Whatever. Don't give the Democratic cities and states, you know, bailout money because they wouldn't enforce the law. So long as you have these district attorneys releasing criminals, then I say this is what they voted for. You know what's really offensive to me? I'll put it this way. Mehdi Hassan. I get his point. I can respect it. But how dare you defy the will of the people? The people in these cities voted for what's going on. They did. The prosecutor in, in Portland that the new DA who said, I'm not going to arrest people, but they voted for him. He said he would do this. So how dare you challenge the people? That's the establishment. They're saying, oh, the, the, the Democrats need, need help. Trump shouldn't leave them to rot. How dare you? They're not rotting. It's exactly what they wanted. It's what, whatever they wanted, they got. Congratulations, Democrats. You built all this stuff. You voted for all these people and now it's being burnt down. Okay, we'll vote for somebody else. That's the answer, right? It should be the responsibility of Trump or anybody else to bail out voters who keep voting for the same thing. It's a definition of insanity, at least the Internet's definition, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. At this point, well, there you go. This is just another uh, story in a big old stack of stupid BS where they rag on Trump for something that's rather nonsensical. They, they, they poorly frame things. And you know what? I think Mehdi Hassan and the other critics who are like, if Obama had done this, people would be screaming, makes a really good point. It's a point against their own point. Who cares that Trump tweeted this because it's literally par for the course with every politician. The Democrats do their thing. The Republicans complain. The Republicans do their thing. You know, uh, Democrats complain. It's just it, it goes either direction. The Democrats, whatever. You're going to get complaints from either tribal side. 
Neither side necessarily views the world in the exact same way. So who cares if the president tweets out something about this when it's literally a part of his campaign when he says the cities are mismanaged? He said he's going to try and win New York because it's a crap hole. So why am I surprised he's retweeting Brandon Strzok? I'm not. I'm tired of fake outrage. Okay, my outrage is at least to me, it's real. I guess theirs is real. Whatever. My point is this. Okay, I respect they're angry about it. Fine. But at what point do you say you're playing a game? Okay, I'm tired of the media doing the same stupid nonsense over and over and over again. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 10 a.m. on this channel. However, tonight at 8 p.m., we'll be live for the Timcast IRL podcast, and I will see you all there if you're so inclined to hang out. Thanks for hanging out now, and I will see you all next time.